Hey everyone, um, welcome back to the podcast. This week's um, show is just a quick review and recap of the Bahrain Grand Prix, but also looking at the latest news um, regarding the F1 driver market, um, especially with Lewis Hamilton's COVID test. So please um, give the show a listen and enjoy. The race that we had at the weekend was something that we haven't seen for quite some time. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about the action. I'm not talking about the race in itself. I'm talking about the fact that Roman Grosjean's car was torn in half. Um, I was I was sitting in in my living room watching watching the race, taking some notes, preparing for this podcast, um, which follows on from the previous one, by the way. And then all of a sudden, I just saw a car in flames. I, I saw Grosjean or one of the Hasses at the time, who I thought it was, fly off into the side across Kvyat, and it was literally like you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, firstly, I'm I'm just thankful that Roman Grosjean is is alive. <laughs> You know, it looked really, really nasty, and with the flames engulfing him, he just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and secondly, the FIA and the team behind the new safety features, including the halo, including the hand, they've really done a fantastic job. Yes, I, I believe that it was a miracle for Roman Grosjean to get out of this car, but the way in which the cars have been engineered, the way in which the cars have been designed to protect the drivers these days has really allowed safety to be taken to a whole new level especially since Jules Bianchi and even going back to like the 1990s 80s and, and 70s where motorsport was literally like a, a death trap just waiting to to happen and in many cases it was so massive congratulations to the FIA for their uh, safety work so previously like Charlie White and then of course all of the the safety car uh, drivers doctors uh, and the marshals at the track because that was super scary <laughs> And it just made me concentrate a little bit more when I went out to drive. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good to know that he's okay. Um, second thing, Lewis Hamilton picked up his 95th, I believe it was his 95th race win um, this week. He said that the car wasn't as fast as he expected. Now, he felt that Verstappen was closing in on him um, from second place. And who knows if the safety car hadn't come out, would have Verstappen come let's say, like, between a second or even under on the last couple of laps to Lewis. Who knows? But all we know is that Lewis drove impeccably. Um, just just, uh, just a quick thing on this. Like, I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, um, drivers should be expected to get straight back into into the car and it's what they do and it's what they're used to. Yes, Lewis himself even outlined a couple of situations where accidents have happened in the past and he's had to go forward and he's had to move into a into a new uh, either into a new car or into a new race with a whole different mindset of just I'm going to race and then I'll deal with it afterwards and that's that's a fantastic mentality but no one would have doubted them apart from maybe Verstappen <laughs> if the drivers didn't wish to go back into the car after seeing Grosjean's race um, so congratulations to Lewis for, for winning under that pressure but also winning under that mental strain and to all the drivers for taking part um, the third key point from the weekend Alex Albon so I, I'm not the biggest Albon fan, and I've, I've mentioned this on the previous podcast, which unfortunately isn't on YouTube, it's on Spotify, and I'm trying to get it backdated. Um, but Albon, ever since he's been told that he has a couple of more races, or until the end of the year, sorry, to, to, to save his seat, he's come up with the goods. So last, uh, last time out when we were in Turkey, it was a very slippery track. He had no, absolutely no grip, and at one point, I think he was the lead of the race, and even came third at one point. It shows race promise. This week, yes, he was 40 seconds off Verstappen, which isn't good enough. Like, 
for for any sort of elite driver to be 40 seconds off your teammate, that's not fantastic. When Bottas is 20 or 25 seconds off Lewis, everyone's calling for his seat to be taken away from him and for George Russell to be put into the seat, which we will touch on in a second. But Albon was there. He, he capitalised on Perez's misfortune. And that's technically what Red Bull want. They don't want someone who is uh, going to be an, an absolute competitor to Verstappen because by all means, I believe that's Verstappen's seat. That's Verstappen's team. You know, the car, not the car, but the, the team is very much engineered around making Verstappen a world champion, which is fine. Um, but what Christian Horner and Helmut Marko want from Albon is for Albon to actually take um, control of his own destiny, so to speak. So if there's an accident, if there's a safety car, if there's an opportunity to overtake, he's there. And he's able to provide the team with valuable points, which at the end of the day is millions of pounds or, or dollars um, at the end of a constructor's title which will only help their development for next year. So congratulations to Albon on that. Um, the fourth key point from the race, what were Renault doing? So Esteban Ocon qualified decently. Um, at one point, it seemed like he had the better of Daniel Ricciardo, especially in in like the middle part of the race. Um, well, I say middle, but early, early stages of the race. But then Daniel just established himself as a quicker driver. He showed that he had the pace. He showed that he had the the knowledge and the grip around the track. But he also showed that he was just faster on a on a race basis. And at one point it seemed like Renault were racing themselves. They had two drivers who could have passed the McLarens and possibly got to P4 and P5. And that's not taking anything away from Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, but two drivers who could have done fantastically well, gained some valuable points for the team. You know, even started to maybe push on Perez and see if that could have moved the, the battle for third place and the constructors along a little bit quicker but in the end they they let Daniel Ricciardo go then Esteban Ocon um, was quicker than him coming out of the pits and it was a bit of a weird strategy as to why they even did that pit strategy it, it I think it was a bit of a messy race from Renault and I truly expect them with their straight line pace in Bahrain to come out a lot better next week um, due to it being an oval circuit I can actually see Danny Rick get on the podium potentially um, but I'm not a fortune teller so I'm not going to get into that um Second, second, uh, well, I say second thing from Renault. With Fernando Alonso joining this, uh, dare I say, new version of Renault, and the fact that Renault have got an improved engine, the fact that they're starting to, to show their pace more consistently when they don't have an engine failure, what will 2021 hold? You know, we're, we're talking about having three world champions on the grid. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, or Sir Lewis Hamilton, so to soon to be. Um... Uh, Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion, and Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion, all in cars which will have fantastic engines, very good chassis, uh, and also slightly new regulations with different tyres coming in to prevent um, tyre failure, but also uh, slightly different, uh, I believe it's engine component changes. How will this affect the 2021 grid? Will Fernando Alonso return back to the top? Will Vettel take his place once again amongst the current leaders of F1? Will Hamilton and Mercedes continue to dominate in the way in which they have for the last seven and a half years? Who knows? But it poses a really interesting question. And yeah, I'm excited to see it for one. Um, and then my last takeaway from the from from the Bahrain Grand Prix, and this is really sad in my heart, is Sergio Perez. So I touched on Alex Albon earlier. Albon had a, a really good race. Um, I would give him a, a six out of ten. With Perez, or oh, a seven even, sorry. With Perez, he was five to six seconds quicker than, than Albon all race. 
he really had his tyre management under control and he was leading Albon in the race for 50 laps. You know, it was it was fantastic to see. Perez was really putting himself in the shop window. And yes, I know some people are like, well, he's had 190-odd Grand Prix, he's had a good career. But this guy is in the form of his life and it would be a crying shame to really see him mess up on that Red Bull seat if, if it comes down to it. He, he's done everything well. I think that's the only race which he hasn't scored over points um, all year and that was taken away from him uh, due to an engine failure. So, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a tough decision for Red Bull. Do you stick with Albon, who has, who has promise? Or, or do you stick with Perez, who is a proven competitor, someone who could even challenge Max for a, a race win if a car is correct, um, but definitely will get you valuable points in the Constructors' Championship and put that pressure on Mercedes, on Lewis and Valtteri Bottas to, to really take the race away from them at times and at tracks that suit the Red Bull. So let's see. But yeah, absolutely gutted for Perez, and I really hope that he bounces back stronger this weekend. Um, okay, cool. So just a, a quick one. Just a quick one. Special mentions actually go out to Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz um, from McLaren. They drove a fantastic race each. They gave each other space. They were looking after the team. They were making sure that they gained the valuable points necessary to take third place in that Constructors' Championship. So hats off to them. They're a really fantastic drive from the McLaren team. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what they can do in 20... What Lando and, and Danny Rick can do in 2021 with that Mercedes engine. Will it turn out to be a racing point where some races you're stronger, some races you're weaker? Or will it turn out to be an actually conquering engine? Because we know that McLaren has a good chassis and that it doesn't necessarily kill its tyres too well. So, excuse me. So, let's see what happens. But yeah, fantastic race from those two. Um, second uh, special mention, or, or yeah, special takeaway. Valtteri Bottas. So, a, a lot of people hate on him. Um, I'm not necessarily a a massive fan of what he's done at Mercedes so far. But then we also have to recognise that he's up against the greatest of all time, in my opinion, in, in Lewis Hamilton. Um, and Lewis himself has said it's not easy being his teammate. But for Bottas to lose so many places at the start and eventually slip down to seventh before having a bit of a recovery drive, that's not good. That's not fantastic. And it doesn't show your ability when people are crying out for your seat to be taken away after 2021 and given to George Russell or... Um, even Esteban Ocon, depending upon what his agreement may be. So I, I, I hope Valtteri has a couple of uh, good races just to bring himself back up to par and get his confidence back because he is a good driver. We, we've seen him actually outpace all this on, on um, uh, qualifying days. Within a race, we, we've seen him come close this year. We've seen him in the past actually win. Uh, yes, a lot of the times it's when Lewis has either had a penalty or a tyre failure, so looking at Russia or... Um, even in Austria, in the beginning of this year, back in back in uh, July. But yeah, I, I, I think Bottas had a, a, a bit of a shocker. If he can recover this uh, this weekend, try and um, outpace his teammate, who I'm going to get onto in a second, then it, it could prove to be the start of something good for Bottas going into, into the new year. So let's see what happens. I've got a bit of news today. So... Yesterday, we found out that Nikita Mazepin has been confirmed for one of Haas's seats. Um, he comes from a, a background in F2, where he's currently third in the championship. He drove a fantastic race on the weekend, um, where he started from reverse pole, I believe it was, and then made his way all throughout the field, overcame the, um, or sort of managed to avoid the accidents of uh, um, Kangon Eilat, 
and also um, any sort of incidents along the way. Did some really fantastic overtakes, especially on Schwartzman, but also on a few others. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see him in F1 uh, next year because people are saying, yes, he's a paid driver. You know, his dad brings a lot of cash to Haas. Is he actually any good? And of course, there's questions around uh, some of his behaviour in the past. But I, I think he is a good driver. Uh, and let's see what he brings. So that's uh, the first piece of news. Second piece is, unfortunately, Lewis Hamilton has contracted COVID. <sighs> and being a massive Hamilton fan, it's it's really sad because I would have liked him to go for that race record. You know, we wanted to see him match Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher in terms of the amount of race wins in a season, but also see if he could beat their win percentage um, and take himself to, to that all-new elite level which he's created this year, which is ridiculous, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't to be. So thoughts uh, go out to Lewis and hopefully it's not uh, too bad and hopefully he recovers soon. However, that does open up the opportunity for someone to step into his shoes. And as we found out this morning, uh, which this morning is Wednesday the 2nd of December, uh, that seat is going to go to George Russell for the next weekend. So this weekend, George Russell will race in the Mercedes. I, I, I've i been buzzing about Russell for the last two, two three years. Um, I say two, three years, even going back to like F3. George Russell is a champion. And we're not just talking about a, a driver who has been pushing a fast car. Those are spec cars. He did fantastically well. He was a champion there. He then moved to uh, F2, became a champion there. Uh, and now he's been at Williams for like, the past... Uh, two and a half seasons and he's been outpointing his teammates and I don't mean by scoring uh, more points but in qualifying he's been leading them he's never lost a qualifying um, uh, total to his teammate it wasn't to Robert Kvitsa it hasn't been to um, Nicholas Satifi yes he hasn't scored a point in F1 and yes he had that crash behind the safety car um, uh, a month ago does that mean he's a bad driver? No, it, it just means that he hasn't either been in the right equipment, and this is my opinion, he hasn't either been in the right equipment, or he has either fluffed his lines a little bit when it's come to um, scoring points. Will we see George score points this weekend? Potentially. And I think with that Mercedes car and that chassis, he's got a very good opportunity um, to not even score points, but potentially a podium, potentially a race win. You know, I, I would be very, very excited to see George on, on top of a podium alongside, let's say, like Max Verstappen or, or Bottas. And I'd be ecstatic if he scored a race win. Anyway, that's enough of me fanboying about George. Over. Um, I think he's a fantastic talent. And I think this is overdue. So hopefully this puts him in the shop window for, for 2022 going forward. And the last bit of news which I wanted to announce. Oh, sorry. So with, with George going to, to Mercedes, it actually brings Jack Aitken. Uh, who's a, a Renault Junior and um, uh, Mercedes, not Mercedes, a, a Williams reserve driver into the frame. Jack is is one of those talents who's got great overtaking speed, uh, as we've seen in F2 this year. Um, he has the ability to go wheel to wheel and really eke out good performances. Um, has he always been at, at the top of the grid? No, but that doesn't make him a bad driver. It, it just need, It just remains to be seen as to how he'll compete. Uh, going forward in the future. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see Jack Aitken um, in an F1 car. Hopefully, he can wrestle that Williams to some points and gain some valuable uh, money, uh, championship money, for the team going into the new year. Um, and then, last bit of news. So, it was always said that it was either going to be Callum Eilert or Mick Schumacher taking uh, one of the seats for Haas. Callum Eilert has been fantastic this year. I know I've used the word a lot, but he really has been special in, in F2. 
He's won a number of races. He's uh, won a number of pole positions. His pole position at the Bahrain uh, F2GP last week was fantastic. And then when he came on the radio, he was like, I've even missed a couple of apexes. That to me is a sign of a true driver, someone who's willing to put time into their craft, someone who understands where they've gone wrong on a circuit, but is able to still extract that maximum amount of performance um, from the car. So I think he's a really special talent. Has he always delivered um, when under pressure? Yes and no. Like, he, he's had some races where I felt he could have wrapped up the championship a little bit early. But then we're talking about Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher's also been a champion. Mick Schumacher has also progressed from the championship of F3 all the way through to F2. He's done well. He's done really, really well. He's not just carrying his dad's name. I know a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, he's a Schumacher. Of course he'll get into F1. Potentially. <laughs> but if you're not good, you're, you're not going to last long. You know, and, and I think Mick has proven that he's been able to drive on his own merit and not just on his dad's name. Um, so the, the seat was decided, well, was decided between those two and Mick uh, came out as the winner. One, he's able to bring some substantial back into Haas in terms of uh, sponsorship money, but also he, he does currently lead the, the championship in F2 by uh, 18 points, or sorry, 14 points going into into the Oval Secure uh, Grand Prix this weekend. So... It's. I don't think it's a bad choice. I think it's quite a pragmatic one, and, and I think has to look at it from a, a a revenue perspective as well as a marketing one. You know, you have a son of a formula of possibly the greatest of all time between him and Lewis, depending upon who you choose. You you have someone who's actually a special talent, someone who brings in revenue, and also someone who can potentially help your car improve. You know, has he got any knowledge from that Ferrari Academy? Which don't get me wrong, Callum Island also has. But what does he bring that's different? What is it that's special? You know, we've seen Schumacher go from 6th to 1st. We've seen him go from 8th to 1st. You know, we've seen his overtaking move at the Russian Grand Prix. That was fantastic. Let's see if he can do it in an F1 car. And let's see how he can bring that that uh, uh, panache, so to speak, into, into F1. Will it be easy? No. You know, they're both rookies, Mazepin and Schumacher. They're going to come in and they're going to encounter situations which they're not used to. And they're going to encounter different levels of G-force. They're going to encounter different levels of speed. Even, but it will give them the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm here. Let me try and stake my claim for either a successive seat after their multi-year deals are up, or to stay with us and really allow them to become a a car superpower. So let's see what happens.